0: Today's interview is with Cesar Armendariz, a candidate for school board in Long Beach, California. Talking with Cesar was a, a huge highlight in my work with this podcast so far because he expresses something that i felt for a very long time, that ultimately something that's missing from local politics is a critique of the socioeconomic system that drives the inequalities so many of us talk about as a teacher, Caesar sees every day the ways in which a society which favors the rich by reinforcing their rights as owners while simultaneously limiting the rights of workers creates barriers for young people. It puts unneeded stress and pressure on their families. It forces them to fight for their lives in a world that doesn't want them to succeed or to truly be free, but instead relegates them to economic despair and difficulty I mean, he has a substantive critique of capitalism because he understands that the economic system we find ourselves in not only alienates us from our labor, but from each other as well. I mean, his work in his community, I think, really demonstrates that. It's clearer now than ever that we need people like... It's clearer now than ever that we need people like Caesar making change at the local level to push back against the division forced on our communities by those in power and... People who want to reinforce their position at the top by accumulating as much wealth as they can. Caesar is endorsed by his local chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America. He's endorsed by our revolution nationally, and he needs our help. Uh, go to Caesar4LBSchools.com. That's C E S A R for L B and throw him five bucks and I'd love to get a hundred people to give this guy five dollars. He's up against some big money and needs all the assistance he can get. So do what you can. Anyways, here's the interview. So
1: my name is Cesar Armendariz and I am running for the Long Beach School Board in California. I am 28 years old and I'm a high school teacher. I've been teaching for the past seven years. So I was uh, actually born and raised in Guayaquil, in Ecuador, uh, in South America, and I came to the United States when I was 10 years old, Um, and uh, (laughs) that was such a huge transition coming from uh, a developing country to, uh, you know, the wealthiest country on earth, and uh, we left everything behind, and the reason my parents um, left Ecuador is because during that time there was a lot of uh, political and economic instability. Uh, I one of the memories that I have in my mind is uh, the Ecuadorian, uh, an Ecuadorian crowd chasing the the president out of, uh, not just out of office, but they chased them all the way out to the airport and okay. they were even in the airstrip. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I think my parents didn't really want me to grow up in, in that kind of environment. And okay. you know, my mom thankfully applied for a visa and it took, uh, it took, I don't know, probably like six, seven years for it to come yeah. through. And Um, and so we bounced around Southern California for a bit, and, uh, I didn't speak any English, so I was in English learner classes, uh, and went through the public school system, and I was just, uh, so supported by, uh, not just my parents, but by my teachers and by random community members, uh, that, uh, I don't know if they saw something in me or if it's just, you know, it was just in their nature to, to help out their, their neighbors, um, but I got through college, went to, well, I got through high school, went to college, graduated with a history degree. And I've known that I wanted to be a teacher ever since high school uh, just because the people that I respected the most around me were my teachers and uh, they were really helpful to me. And I could see the value in being a public school teacher. And so I uh, got my teaching credential while I was in uh, college as well. And I started teaching when I was 21 years old.
2: Now, we'll get into your platform a little bit, but you mentioned that you have a history degree, and it's my obligation as someone who I study history to say, to ask, you know, how did your education and your bachelor's degree, I know this is very off topic, but you know, that's what you get from mentioning what you studied in college. Uh, how did your bachelor's degree, how do you think it prepared you to bo- both for the classroom to engage with students as well as in when you're stepping out and running for office? Because I know what it did for me, and I, I just, I'm curious what it did for you.
1: Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. I think I started seeing, first of all, many different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, when when we study history, we realize that the things that we learn in school uh, are not actually quite set in stone, that there are debates uh, around pretty much every single topic that we've learned. And so... I just came to understand the, the importance of perspective. Um, and so that expanded my view on just how to see and, and listen to other people. I honestly became a better listener because of my yeah. history degree. And then the other thing that uh, history did for me is it just showed me that there are people out there that are just so selfless. Those people knowingly put their lives in danger and those are the people that change change history, that change our world. That happens not just at a world or national scale, it happens also on the local level. And so, you know, it's, it's inspired me to continue to get involved and try to be part of, of local and national movements uh, to try to bring about change because, as uh, well, my, my political hero is, is Bernie Sanders, and as Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. always says, um, true change
2: only happens when people come together, and, and that's absolutely what I've seen throughout history as well. But I think one thing that people like Bernie Sanders and that sort of a lot of political figures are doing for young people, especially, is Letting letting them know that they are historical actors, and and when we start to reflect on sort of our own values, the way we see ourselves in our world, and as really as actors in our community, there's a level of engagement that's happening with young people that we haven't seen in a while, and it's really cool.
1: There is a level of of social and political consciousness uh, that I think is absolutely necessary uh, especially today i mean it seems like um everything is stacked against especially against our young people millennials uh you know we're we're what the first generation expected to do not as well as our parents and so yeah. we we definitely and like you said that's exactly right we we are either acted upon or we become actors and, and uh participants in, in the yeah. changes happening around us so yeah absolutely
2: talking about sort of like a a focus on community with young people and trying to inspire young people to that how has like a community focused lens uh come into your campaign because i imagine that you have plans to try and incorporate community into your plans uh for for the school board
1: yeah uh so we we when when i first started uh you know i'm a, i'm a high school teacher it's not like i uh I have a uh, million dollars in my savings. When, when yeah. I first started to realize I wasn't going to be able to buy my way through this, uh, as we see you know, in the political system happen uh, quite often. And so I realized that in order to even have a shot at winning, I needed uh, community participation. I needed a whole group of people behind me. Yeah. And, uh, and to be quite honest, I, I don't think that we can have any sort of True and long-lasting change, unless the community is behind it, uh, yep. behind the change. And so, from the very beginning, I, I, I my message has been: uh, I cannot win without community support, and uh, we cannot have a an education system to believe in unless the community is behind the changes uh, that we need. So, um, I'm actually, I was the the chair for Our Revolution, in Long Beach. I've had dozens of people from there come out and knock on doors with me. But then as the campaign has been going on and people have been listening to my message and they've come to understand that, yeah, this we can actually have something really amazing when we come together. More and more people have started to join us uh, from, from all different places, uh, including the Democratic Socialists, uh, including just random parents whose doors I knocked on, uh, including my former students. And so it's just bunch of different people coming together because they, they they truly do believe that we are we are really strong when we come together
2: based off of your involvement with it, your you know uh, words about bernie sanders and your involvement with our revolution then big congratulations on your endorsement um which is uh, i thought was really really neat um from the group for sure and that's and that's something where
1: usually these national organizations uh they tend to focus on more you know the national elections national races but I'm glad that our our revolution has gotten involved in uh, school board elections and uh g s a is also doing the same thing uh and uh they they notice the the potential uh with our campaign and the fact that we have a an organized group of, of activists and progressives in Long Beach that could put us over the top. And so yeah, I was just really grateful for them to actually give us the opportunity to show the rest of the country what an organized grassroots school board campaign can actually accomplish. How's the how's the door to door stuff going? From from day one we understood that if we uh even were to have a shot at winning, we would have to focus our whole time and energy in engaging the voters, I have a good friend that actually you know uh, it's it's uh, he's a good friend now, but he's the current board member who either I'm running for it. we We became mm. friends throughout this campaign and and he told me uh, you're not going to win this unless you you engage as many voters as possible and so I've been knocking on doors for over eight months now
0: yeah.
1: and uh, I absolutely love it i love it it's yes. honestly been the the favorite part of running for office um just because I have been through every neighborhood in my district, something I would have never done had I did not run for yeah. office. And so I get to meet people, and, and every time I walk through a street, I smell what they're cooking, and every neighborhood is so different. And so I, I get to experience the diversity, and people are actually quite hospitable. Uh, a lot of yeah. times people feel like they, they can't knock on doors because they're, they're afraid. Um, yeah. I mean, that's how it was for me as well. But uh, people are, are hospital, and when we target the right kind of voters, uh, because that's important. You know, there are 50,000 50, registered voters in my district. When we target the right kind of voters that are already engaged, usually we can have conversations about uh, the campaign and about our vision and our platform and all that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I <coughs> excuse me. I think uh, I think there's a lot of value because canvassing and door knocking is also my favorite part of campaigns and i think there's just a lot of value to uh like what not just it does for the practical aspects of turning out people to vote but how it can sort of shape you as an organizer and kind of influence the you know i i find that the people i talk to and the people that i meet and it's hokey but it's true there, there's a there's a level of intimacy that gets brought into this kind of what could be like a really intimidating and off-putting process politics but actually can it can be more substantive and it's about you know either shaping if you're running for office shaping your candidacy around those values right
1: right yeah i mean it's running this this by far has been the hardest thing that i've done in my life um yeah. running for office uh but it's also one of the most rewarding things that I've done uh because uh, you know it's it's one of those things where especially in the capitalist system we are so removed and disconnected from each other That's and true. this this has helped me uh grow closer to people who I would have never met in my life um and 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 in that there is there is a sort of of connection that makes us more powerful uh, against uh, injustices, and, and I have felt that, and the voters have felt that, and so the people that came out to vote for for me have are people that uh, have felt empowered by the kind of campaign that we're running, uh, and they empower me as well. We, it, it's, it's this mutual relationship that we have between us and the voters.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you talk about the alienation, you know, sort of capitalism's way of kind of putting barriers in between people, like what? What do you see your role specifically as someone who wins his election and is sitting on the school board to sort of push back against sort of the broader call it the broader culture of inequality that exists in our society? You know, like like what like even beyond being a member of the school board, being as being a community leader, what do you see specifically your role is in all of that?
1: I think it's important. For people, first of all, to see their value beyond their income, uh, beyond yeah. their wealth, uh, just to, for people to see their value as individuals regardless and to see uh, the value of community. Yeah. Uh, and so that is that that is going to be one of my main priorities as a school board member is to be able to tell people and truly mean it, that their voices matter and that us coming together absolutely matters. And so I imagine myself... Uh, being a, a, a board member in the same way that I'm a candidate and that I'm showing up to all these neighborhood association meetings, I'm going, showing up to every possible community event that I can uh, just to create those connections with people. Uh, and I think that's huge because I, I really do believe that we can have this, this idea of what change looks like, but unless we have that, that base, the group of people working together for that change, I, I, it's, it's just really difficult uh, to create that. But as far as uh, one of the things that I really want to work on is uh, finding ways of expanding early childhood education, yes. uh, so pre-K programs, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, we, have, we definitely have this discrepancy. We have uh, this, this achievement gap uh, between people based on income but also based on race, and okay. uh, one of the biggest uh, things that helps uh, reduce that achievement gap is early childhood education. So when okay. kids come into the school system before the age of five, they have higher graduation rates, uh, they have lower suspension rates, uh, they end up going to college at higher rates, and they end up not getting in trouble with the law as much. And so I think if we work on on our youngest kids as as one of uh, the things that we focus on, I think we can start uh, doing away with a lot of the inequality that the counselor system has created.
0: Yeah,
2: I can I, I I couldn't agree more. You said it better than I can say anything else. So, uh you talked about uh before K through 12. Uh what about after K through 12? I know that you have ideas regarding, you know, sort of integrating students who are coming out of high school into, you know, get, giving them more opportunities through the transition from high school to post-high school.
1: So, I I think when we when we think about that, we have to look at the reality of uh what, what our students will be facing, uh, yeah. so they, they're going to, first of all, go into uh, college and probably accrue a lot of debt, uh, so mm-hmm. we have to prepare them for that, yeah. and then second of all, they're going to go into a job market that is difficult to break through, and mm-hmm. so what we can do in our K-12 through system is prepare our students with you know, high critical thinking skills, but in addition to that, we also can expand our, our uh, trades programs. So we have, already in Long Beach, we have something called CTE, Career Technical Education. And basically, uh, students are able to uh, develop their skills, such as being electricians or carpenters or being a chef. Uh, and those are jobs that are more readily available and to be quite honest not everyone is meant to go to college and I think those people deserve to be given skills and develop those skills Uh, that way they're not left alone after they graduate from high school so that's that's a big focus of mine as well it's just making sure that our kids develop those vocational skills even if uh, even if they're they're not planning to go to college
2: well I think I think the best thing about everything that you're saying is that there, there there's a lot of people who will who will say all of those same, same things, but they will put it in terms of, you know, use value based off of the, uh, you know, they're talking about, we're talking about 17 and 18 year old, you know, students and they're t- we're talking about use, va- use value to the economy and that kind of a thing. And yeah, that, that, may, that may be true and that's fine, but in terms of what people deserve, I think is the language that all of us should be using. So, because I, I, I've also worked in the K through 12 system. I just think the language that you're using is exactly where we need to be. I don't know if that all makes sense.
1: And, and you know, one of the things that we, we need to talk about more is uh, I, I, it, there are some numbers out there, but something like one in four of every kid, and it's higher, obviously, in, in the urban areas, mm-hmm. goes through what we know as trauma. Yeah. And... um this, this, the the mental health of our kids is just really important, and it's something that we don't talk about until you know we have school shootings, uh, mm-hmm. and so I think when we talk about we we need to start talking more about mental health because our students are not simply machines where if we give them an assignment we say do it that's how learning happens mm-hmm. uh, you know learning learning in order for learning to truly happen the student needs to feel safe uh, needs to feel encouraged uh, and needs to have a, an environment positive environment, and so uh, especially kids that have gone through trauma, their heads are just filled with some with so much noise and, and uh, sometimes a lot of mistrust in, in authority figures, but just teachers, and so I think our school systems uh, could also help kids who have been left behind by our capitalist system, help them out with, with the kind of support with not just psychologists, but uh, therapists and, and yep. uh, more counselors. Uh, one of the issues that, that we have is that um, in in our district, for example, uh, I, I met a counselor who has a thousand kids. One counselor for a thousand kids. What, what kind of relationship can that counselor build for that kid? What kind of support can that counselor give for 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 the kids that have been gone through trauma, uh, which would be hundreds for for that counselor. Um, so so I think that those are things that we need to look at when we look at how children learn. We need to understand that children. Uh, just having, reducing class sizes class is important, but just doing that is not the answer. We need to build a yeah. whole community of people around these kids in order for them to be successful. And, and we go back to that, and that's the answer to, to really everything. We have to build community. Yeah. Uh, that's the answer to education. That's the answer to our democracy. We just have to build community.
2: How are we supposed to identify those students who do need help, who struggle with mental health issues, you know, without, you know, creating allocating the resources necessary to hire the people in order to be able to invest in students it's, it it comes it comes down to how these just these elements of social inequality really drive sort of not just the lives of these students but like the conversations around students with disabilities as opposed to like we talk about them as this like addendum on like public schools as opposed to like an integral part of like like you said our communities like where how how are we not thinking about students with disabilities in that way and how are they still relegated to this sort of like special extra topic like you know I don't know I it feels my it feels like I'm nitpicking but yeah
1: no but I mean if you look at it from from uh, an administrative level if if, school, if schools are judged uh, based on how many kids they can uh, graduate from high school if they're judged on how they do on their state test. Yeah. Uh, then it is easy for uh, individuals, or it's easy for for the system to view our kids with special needs and disabilities as uh, something weighing the district down, rather than people that are absolutely an important and uh, integral part of yeah. of our community. Yeah. Um, so, so no, that's that's absolutely true, and and that's to me, that's been one of the, the one of the most rewarding parts of of this campaign has been getting to know the parents with kids with special needs and disabilities. Uh, They are one of the most organized parents in in our city, and they are fighting to remove the stigma of what it means to have special needs, and they're fighting to uh, make sure that their kids, are included into uh, the education system, and that they are part and, and seen as part of the community. And so, those parents have been doing so much, and they they truly have been the parents that have just absolutely energized me throughout yeah. the campaign because I see them working so hard uh, for for their children, and and you know they they deserve to have a champion uh, uh, right along with them as well on the school board.
2: I mean, they deserve representation that's going to you know actually not just honor their voice but incorporate it into the broader platform for change it's just we just keep bringing people it's what intersectionality means it means pe- it means people with disabilities and it means it means you know people from different racial backgrounds and di- like of you know
1: and they, they do have to get the forefront of that change they, they absolutely have to uh, I, I think we we can rightly judge a district, a school district, based on how we treat our most vulnerable populations, which includes yeah. our kids with special needs and disabilities. So I think that's absolutely true. Um, and and so the the one thing that school districts will will tell you, uh, no matter where you are, is is just the idea of cost. Uh, that it costs so much to, to provide these kids with uh, the adaptations and resources in the community that they deserve. They absolutely deserve it, but yeah. it, is, it is very pricey. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, that's that's our duty. That's our moral, moral responsibility. So we, we can't make excuses around that. It's been uh, 100% about getting the community together, getting the community energized behind this democratic process. And, uh, getting them to understand that their kids need need them, that our kids in our city need them to to uh, to come together and get behind these changes. Uh, our kids with special mm-hmm. needs, uh, especially, uh, and uh, you know, we talked about the fact that there's also racial components to this. Our 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 kids here, um, and, and this is happening throughout the, the the whole United States. But our kids are our black kids are. Five times as likely to be suspended as their white kids, yep. and so there's something off with that as well. Because you know we, we because then we talk about the school-to-prison pipeline as well, where yep. these kids um, that um, are getting suspended are more likely to end up in jail, and our and our prison system is already messed up as, as we speak. So. Uh, yeah. Education, education is, our, is at the heart of all of these different issues, and I think it's important for people to, to realize that, and if they already realize it, it's important for people to get involved because oftentimes I see so many people energized about congressional races and, and energized about mm-hmm. you know the governor, and, and that's good, but I think that we, we, would, we have so much more impact, and it's just as important to focus on our local elections, especially our elections, uh, regarding our kids. Uh, I mean, especially you're seeing what's happening in Arizona and uh, where's Oklahoma uh, where teachers are finally standing up uh, and saying we don't have enough money uh, to help our kids. Uh, We're spending money out of pocket to help our kids. We have to have three jobs to help our kids. Um, And and I think that's that's just an example of, of the brokenness of our capitalist system. Um, and how, at least in the United States, the wealthiest country in the world, we are not prioritizing education. And so, uh, we need to make sure that we advocate all the way from the local level to the national level to tell our elected officials, uh, you, you guys need to do better. We need to fund our education system uh, at, a, at a much higher level uh, because it's just absolutely ridiculous how behind we are uh, when we compare ourselves to the rest of the world, especially with our uh, pre-K. Uh, you know every other major yeah. industrialized country in the yeah. world has uh, uh, universal pre K. We are mm-hmm. so behind. We are so behind. Um, um so what I what I would say to people is if, if they want to read more about what's going on in Long Beach, uh they can go to my website. It's uh Caesar for LB Schools dot com. Uh, so it's C E S A R F O R L B schools dot com uh and uh I am I am proud that my campaign is funded by small dollar donations. You know, that's yeah. that's 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 what Bernie has inspired all the way from the top to the bottom, from the bottom to the top. And so we've had over three hundred individual contributions already which yeah. at a school uh board level is just incredible. And so yeah. uh our our we have our our runoff. We won the the, the prime well, we got second place in the primary with thirty three percent. Uh, and so our runoff election is going to be on June 5th, and we absolutely need the help from, from everybody who's listening uh, from all parts of the United States uh, to help us out.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing. I think you're, like, walking, living, breathing proof that people who are, like, we're the exact same age, and we have thoughts about politics, and, like, we, we're find we, We've, as individuals, you have an, as an individual have found through your job a way to start engaging with and start cri- often critique to and solutions for the real like social inequalities that drive the day-to-day in people's lives and that a school board's raise while it seems small is first of all huge in terms of improving the day-to-day material conditions of people's life and second of all in its own way is kind of small and an opportunity for people like you and people like me, who have gotten plugged into a certain part of a community, to really take it upon ourselves to act on something. And whether it's electorally or whether it's organizing with you know a, commu- a community group, or w- whether it's getting involved in some sort of like issue stuff with the environment, or you know, or with you know wages, or you know, unionizing. That's all really, really great. It's just there. There's something for anyone to do i completely agree i mean that's what democracy is supposed to be
1: uh get involved and and you know i have some all teachers that like you know it's crazy that you're doing that just because they see how much work goes behind it but those <laughs> yeah. teachers are pitching in you know 27 bucks and that's how they get involved in the democratic system And you know what that's okay uh we need people to get involved in whatever way possible uh yeah. even if it's not running for office uh then uh you know, volunteer, knock on doors. If, if it's not that, then pitch in some money. If if it's not that, then make some phone calls. If it's not that, then online activism. But uh, we we absolutely have the freedom, and we have the moral obligation to uh, help our, our neighbors. And and because we are in a democratic country, uh, you know, it's there. There are so many opportunities to, to do so. Uh, and and I'll tell you what. Um, and this is a, the last thing I'll say. Um, yeah. We, we were outspent by tens of thousands of dollars yeah. in, the, in the primary. Uh, one of my opponents got the endorsements from all the, all the politicians, city politicians, yeah. and we were able to force the runoff. And people are scratching their heads right now going, yeah. how the heck did you do that? And the answer is always it's because we are approaching this from a bottom-up approach. Uh, yep. This is about the power of people coming together. And so I really do believe, just like we have people like Bernie changing things on a national level, we are absolutely changing the narrative at a local level, and everyone in their city can do that. And so I encourage everyone to look at their local city politics and see how they can start changing the narrative to show that the power of people is truly important, the most important thing that we have.
0: We
2: must forward again.